When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back into the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast. I'm Scott Agnes, and what an offseason it has been for this franchise, for this organization, and it begins at the top. We saw on May 1st officially Larry Bird stepping down as president of basketball operations after holding that title since the early 2000s, 2003. He obviously took the one-year hiatus, and that brought Donnie Walsh back, who then slid now to a consultant role. But Kevin Pritchard then promoted from within, and I'll be honest, I'm kind of surprised that that was the decision made by team owner Herb Simon. I thought perhaps he would go outside the organization and to someone different. But Herb Simon ultimately deciding to promote Kevin Pritchard with full backing from Larry Bird, who wanted Kevin to replace him. So the front office then becomes Kevin Pritchard as the president of basketball operations. He hired his good friend Chad Buchanan to be his general manager. We saw Peter Dinwiddie get a nice promotion within the department, both from a title, financial, and responsibility standpoint. And Donnie Walsh remains on board as a consultant. Larry Bird remains on board. He is officially termed an advisor. Then, of course, we had the Paul George saga, and that lasted several weeks. Started right before the draft, several days beforehand, and that was obviously a big story because that was when Paul George's agent officially informed Kevin Pritchard of his intentions to opt out following the conclusion of this season. Paul, of course, owns a player option for summer 2018, which means he can go anywhere and fully intended to move on because... Quite frankly, the Pacers right now, as currently constructed, are not at a place where they are going to contend for a championship. That's two, three years down the road. Now, the Pacers stand by the belief that if Paul committed to them, they had a chance to improve their roster dramatically. For instance, I was told that they fully intended to go after Gordon Hayward, the indie product. Now, I don't think he was going to seriously consider Indianapolis, but the Pacers, they had done their research, made calls, and kept checking in regarding Gordon Hayward. Obviously, it would have taken max money to get Gordon here, but that's an idea uh, that the Pacers had of what they were trying to do should Paul stay here because there was no doubt this team had to upgrade its roster, had to make some new roster changes because this last roster was not cutting it, and we'll get into that a little bit later on in this podcast. So the Pacers ultimately decided to send PG down to Oklahoma City. And yes, I do think that was intended to send him out to the Western Conference. And I get why. Because they do not want Paul to be traded to Cleveland or to be traded to Boston, get to the NBA Finals with a strong team, fall in love and re-sign, and then they have to face him for the next 10 years. By doing this, Kevin Pritchard and the Pacers almost guaranteed themselves of only having to face Paul twice a year, one on the road and one time to bring him back each year 
to Banker's Life Fieldhouse. He's down in Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook, who has an interesting dilemma to make himself as whether he wants to sign a long-term contract extension down there with the Thunder to continue on. He seems like a loyal guy. He seems like a guy that wants to go against the grain. But it'll be interesting to follow. All signs point to Paul heading west and most likely to Los Angeles. But I will not guarantee that. I'm not going to say something might change because it just might. And there were some talks I heard this offseason about perhaps the Pacers calling Golden State to see if they were interested in making a deal for Paul George. Now, that would obviously require them to give up an asset, perhaps Clay Thompson. I just don't see that happening if I'm Golden State. I'm not sure I'm sending enough back to make the Pacers interested. Nonetheless, though, the Pacers did get two guys, two young picks, two former lottery picks, and that's what they like. Remember Victor Oladipo, of course, the former IU standout, the second overall pick in 2013. I'm still blown away that Anthony Bennett was taken number one overall by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Just imagine if the Cavaliers took someone that was serviceable, someone that was still in the league and could contribute, maybe earned a second contract. Yeah, that might have changed things a little bit as well for Cleveland. I like Vic, and the one thing you know from him from Demonis Sabonis and others, is that they are going to compete every single night. They won't make excuses. They will lay it out on the line for all 82 games and I think will be guys that this fan base can rally behind. Now, obviously, that's not why you go get them, but those are huge attributes, huge check marks on the box for Kevin Pritchard when you're comparing potential trade assets. Now, in Demonis Sabonis... He's a guy that just has one year under his belt. He's a guy that can stretch out. They're going to try to work on his shot a little bit more. They want to work back to the basket as well in his touch. But he has just one year in the league and showed some potential there at times. But he also didn't get as much opportunity, of course, that he would like. And maybe they didn't use him as efficiently as they could to maximize his talents. Obviously, it's going to take some time. Typically, at least from the Pacers' front office standpoint, although I think this is kind of a rule across the league. Don't expect most guys to contribute when you really don't know what they are until three years into the league. So he's another young, strong asset. And then, of course, later on, the Pacers acquired Corey Joseph in a trade with Toronto, and he will probably compete for that starting point guard spot. I think right now, if I had to slot guys in, I would slot the former Pacer, Darren Collison, who's now back with the team as the starter. But I'm not ruling out the chance that Corey Joseph really competes hard and maybe plays better with that starting unit, which is still very much to be determined. We'll get into that in just a minute. Six players, that's it. Six of the 15 players from last year's roster that made the playoffs but was swept in the first round by the Cleveland Cavaliers after a 42 and 40 regular season record. Basically a 500 team last year. Consistency and chemistry were the two main problems with the Pacers team from last season. So they only brought back six players. They signed four guys. Darren Collison, he was part of the Pacers roster from 2010 to 2012. Got beat out by George Hill. He's back after three years spent in Sacramento on a roster and really a organization that was flawed and perhaps was at the time the most toxic environment organization in the league. That award, of course, 
is crowned right now to the New York Knicks, and it looks like will remain so at least for the next year or so. The Pacers also signed Boyan Bogdanovich, a guy that doesn't play much defense, but is a three-point threat. I look back at last year's stats. He did not play the last time his team faced the Pacers, but the previous time before that, at Banker's Life Fieldhouse, had three points on one of three shooting from downtown. Gave him a nice contract for this season. I'll be curious to see where he fits in, how he fits in, and is he really a starter? I didn't think so, but that's what Coach McMillan said on the day Bogdanovich was made available to locals reporters, so McMillan also talked as well and said, for now, he's probably going with the mindset that Bogdanovich is the starter over Glenn Robinson the third, who has been working hard, who has spent most of his offseason here in Indianapolis. He went overseas, I think for a week, maybe two weeks, with Lenning, Leaning. I'm not sure how you say it, but it's his overseas brand that's part of Way of Wade. Dwayne Wade, of course, and Glenn Robinson the third being part of that brand. They brought him overseas to do some appearances, play some games. And one thing I know he didn't like was lack of gym time. So whenever he had appearances, The time he had on the hardwood, he took seriously and used to try to get better and to try to get reps. That's one of the problems with some of those overseas trips is the players wanting to have control, wanting to have access to gyms, to good food, etc. But that's just not the case. So the Pacers brought back six, signed four, and acquired three players. That brings the roster total to 13. Damian Wilkins is expected to sign. And this is an interesting move, though. It's a non-guaranteed deal for one year. We'll see what it turns into, ultimately. He still has not signed, though, to this point. So the official roster stands at 13 with the chance for the team to sign two more. I like, for now, that they have left at least one roster spot open. That's something that I question this team doing over the last several years was that they always, going into the start of the season in October, they had a full roster, meaning they had to trade away an asset in order to bring on at least one asset. This gives you the availability that if a player gets injured, you can add another player. This gives you um, the opportunity to bring on two players and only send one out. I don't know why they necessarily want to do that, but there's that opportunity. Wilkins, he's a veteran. In his late 30s, hasn't played in the league since 2013 for the Philadelphia 76ers, but they're giving it a chance. Giving him a chance, and we have not heard from him yet to this point, and he has not signed his contract with the Pacers. couple notes to pass along. Al Jefferson changing his number. He was seven last year with the Pacers, but with Raheem Christmas moving on, the Pacers waving him. Jefferson was able to claim... 25. And also, E.K. Anabogu, the team's second round pick. He's now the third different player over the last couple months to own number 13. Paul George, of course, owned it. And then a strange twist, and it kind of felt weird. It kind of felt wrong, to be honest. But the very same day the Pacers announced the trade that Paul was going to Oklahoma City, they also announced that Kevin Serafin was taking on number 13. And it's not like I expected them to retire it for Paul, but to announce it on the same day, I was like, damn, all right, if that's the direction they're going. And then by the end of July, the team had to decide on Kevin Serafin, and they decided to waive him, which canceled out his $1.9 million guaranteed if he was still on the roster by August 1st. And now this is an amazing number to me, six. 
That's the number of players from last year's Pacers roster that remain unsigned. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't even include Kevin Serafin, who two days after getting cut, after clearing waivers, he signed a two-year deal in Barcelona with FC Basket. How staggering is that? Think about it. Six guys from last year's roster are currently without a job. Lavoy Allen, Aaron Brooks, Rakeem Christmas, Monte Ellis, George Niang, and Rodney Stuckey. Of those, I fully expect Lavoy Allen, Aaron Brooks, and Rodney Stuckey to be in training camp with an NBA team. It's a very slow time right now in free agency. Technically, the hot rush right is over with. Free agency continues on really until training camp, but not much is happening. Not many calls are made. It's a time where much of the league office takes time off. I know a lot of the Pacers have gone overseas or they are on vacation, but maybe we'll see some trades to open up roster spots, which are going to be incredibly valuable. Cap space and roster spots are going to become even more valuable as the salary cap hasn't really changed too much. And last offseason, several teams gave out contracts they most certainly regret. Most notably is the Lakers, right? With Timothy Mosgoff, Luau Deng, those are two contracts they did not like. They almost gave them away what felt like minutes into free agency. Now, since then, this offseason, Mosgoff has been moved to the Nets along with D'Angelo Russell in a move to open up cap space, mostly for next season. And you're seeing the Lakers build up their young core while also just filling spots, empty spots, until next offseason, where we will see. But again, six guys unsigned from last year's Pacers team that went 42-40, and plus Kevin Serafin. It almost makes you wonder how they made the playoff. Because obviously those guys aren't in high demand, and they are right now without a job. And also, it's key to point out how the Pacers have set themselves up with great flexibility as well next offseason. They only have two guys with guaranteed contracts that they know of for the 2018-2019 season. That's Victor Oladipo, due $21 million for the next four years, including this upcoming season. This is the start of a mega contract, $84 million for Victor Oladipo in a deal he signed an extension with the Thunder last fall. The only other guy they know for certain will be on their roster is TJ Leaf, who gets at least two years guaranteed as part of the rookie scale. Otherwise, they have four guys with non-guaranteed deals. They have Thaddeus Young, Corey Josephs with player options. And at this point, though, I think it's more likely for Thad Young to continue on with his contract and to exercise that final year of his deal because I just don't see him getting nearly $14 million a year on the open market. Corey Joseph could be a different type of guy in that he's still young in his career and he's making less than $8 million per year. And maybe a team could see him be their starter for $10 million, for $12 million perhaps per year. But I think at this point, I would say it's likely that Thad Young exercised his player option just because there's no certainty that he's going to get that kind of money. C.J. Miles is a guy that I immediately think of. And heading into free agency, I kind of expected him to get about $10 million, maybe as much as twelve. million in free agency, where in turn, he didn't get close to that. Now, he got a nice bump on the $4 million the Pacers had been paying him. But the money is just not there as expected. 
One other roster move I should mention is that, of course, of the second second round pick for the Pacers, they paid about a million dollars for to New Orleans, and that's guard Edmund Sumner, who they signed to a two-way deal. So Sumner, a Xavier product, became the first Pacer to sign a two-way contract. That's, of course, with the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, technically, because that money does not count against the team's salary cap. He can spend as many as 45 days with the franchise before they'd be required to give him a better contract if they wanted to keep him uh, for more than 45 days. That does not include training camp or the time between training camp with the Pacers and camp with the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. And this is a guy, though, realistically, I don't know how much he'll play, if at all, this season. He's had a couple off-season surgeries, and he's a guy that really just needs to get healthy and adapted to the NBA game, but maybe he's a guard for this Pacers team in in a year, two years down the road. Beyond moving Paul George, trading him to Oklahoma City, and other free agent moves, the other big story this offseason has been the Pacers rebranding and how obviously every team is getting new Nike uniforms, but the Pacers are also getting a new look. They've got a new look, and we know what it looks like now. For one, They have a new secondary logo. It's the outline of the state. The bottom of the state, though, is rounded off into an arrow, which they say is a more modern look. Then you remember the center of the floor before the last several years, half dozen years, how it was a a circular Indiana and Pacers rounded Indiana at the top, Pacers at the bottom. Well, that's now what their jersey looks like. It's a very basic, simplistic jersey, which is what you expect from the Pacers, a clean-cut, simple look. What I do really like about this uniform, other than being a clean look, is the racing stripes, the speed stripes along the side. That's a little touch, I think, that makes a big difference to an otherwise simplistic jersey. I've heard a lot of comments, both positive and negative, pertaining to the jersey, but I also did an informal poll. And from this poll, I took away that the majority of Pacer fans like it. More than 600 fans replied to this poll over the first 24 hours. And 70% like what I phrased as a clean, simple look. They appreciated it and enjoyed this. Now, this was obviously all introduced in the parking lot of the Kenny Group on the near west side of downtown Indianapolis. It was kind of held ahead of the Gus Macker three-on-three tournament towards the end of July. And as part of that, we saw the Pacers' brand new on court look. In addition to the uniforms, the floor is much different. It's a much better look in my opinion. It's a darker hardwood for certain. The lettering outside the court is all in white rather than gold like before. So Indiana Pacers and Pacers.com and at Pacers, that's all in white. A much simpler, uh, better look. I think it pops out much more. The secondary logo that I talked about, the state of Indiana, the outline, that's on the floor twice. It's in the short corner uh, of the corner by the visitor's bench and the one caddy corner to that. So it's on the floor twice. Uh, That's notable as well. And then they also wore a new logo for just basketball in this state. And they're really hoping teams, especially high school teams, try to adopt this, maybe put it on their uniform somewhere. I'll get into more of that with Pacers Senior VP of Marketing, Todd Taylor, and the expectations with that. We will see the Hickory uniforms back for the third year. It's part of an original five-year deal 
that the Pacers agreed to with MGM back in 2015. So we will see that again, and then we will see one more set of uniforms as well to go along with this. This is the first year that Nike will be taking over. and Expect the first Nike gear to go on sale probably in late September, about the time training camp starts. And remember, the season starts a week earlier as they try to get rid of more back-to-backs to get rid of more four games and five nights, all that type of thing to prevent rest and just make the, the game better, the entertainment value much better. And more than anything, they don't want guys, especially those star guys like LeBron, sitting out marquee games that are on national television. But it's been a busy offseason for the Pacers, no doubt about that. And by the way, I did not mention, and I should, one other thing. If you didn't see it, how about this? Lance Stevenson, not Miles Turner, though he's just 21, but Lance Stevenson was deemed the face of this big announcement, the jersey unveiling. He was the guy in the promotional videos, promotional photos. He was the guy leading out his teammates during this special event to unveil the new branding for the Pacers. It's telling because three months ago, Lance was on his couch in Brooklyn with his leg up, resting his hip, dealing with a grade two ankle sprain. And now in there in late July, he was used as the face of the Pacers. I think that speaks to both Lance, how far he's come, how much he succeeds with the Pacers. And it also, though, speaks to where this club is out at this point. A lot of new faces, a lot of new players, no big superstar yet. Victor Oladipo was not in town, and it's really hard to have a guy that's never played for your team come out and be the face of a new marketing, a rebrand campaign. That's difficult. Lance made all kinds of sense, certainly. He is a fan favorite. Fans really rally around his energy and what he brings out onto the court every single night. But I did take a moment, I did, to step away from the court, step away from the announcement, and just think, Lance Stevenson, the face of this new campaign. Pretty wild, isn't it? All right, that will do it for this episode of the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast. I'm not a big fan of rolling solo on these things. I enjoy them being more interactive, enjoy asking questions and having a conversation. But so much had happened throughout this offseason that I thought it was imperative to go through it all, break it down just a little bit before we get going with more interviews on this podcast, which I already have lined up which should be interesting. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon.